Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. We are back to another episode of Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. It is for the Dakar Rally 2019 in association with Rodegazoo Racing South Africa. I'm joined this evening by Hannes Fisser, no Voldu van der Waal, unfortunately, although not uh, in our presence. Uh, he is on the line. We've also got Raymond Haps, who's our fourth partner in crime, who always comes along on these trips. He's the cameraman, producer extraordinaire, and uh, wholly responsible for putting together the TV show that you see every night on Supersport. Uh, first and foremost, hello, Hannes. Derek, I want to interrupt there before we even get going. Yeah. Please tell us why Waldo is not here. Do the uh, <laughs> diplomatic thing. Okay, no, it has to be done. Waldo did uh, shed some light on it last night, but uh, just to explain exactly uh, what the reason behind him not being here. So yesterday, uh, Waldo, or yourself, you, you, you can actually explain it. So you went over to the organizers, the ASO, to go and find out the logistics regarding um, the fourth stage here in Tacna in Peru. Uh, you went over there and you said, listen, how's the travel going to work? We're going to head over there, the four of us, as always, myself, Derek, Raymond, and Voldu. But then you were expressly interrupted by one of the members saying... Well, this is exactly, this is all part of the politics and, and, and how the game works. We, uh, we got there, I got there to the ASO and said that we plan to go to Takna tomorrow, which is the marathon stage, which is quite normal. We have to come here and, 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 and record our interviews and everything. And they said immediately, no, 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 Valdo is a blacklist from Takna, which in uh, English means Valdo is blacklisted from Takna. He can't come here because he's the team's media liaison. And uh, anyway, long story short, we are now here. Valdo is not here. And... Um, we're doing what we have to do every day anyway. Yeah, so we've been here for a week and it's proved to be pretty popular as this podcast. But we have had a few criticisms. Uh, the one being they haven't heard the voice of Raymond Haff. So without further ado, here he is, Raymond. Well, it's a pleasure to be a part of your podcast. No, no, right. Turn the microphone the other way around. Uh, this way? No, no, no. The other way. There this we way? go. Oh, there we okay. <laughs> See, I'm a, new, I'm a newbie to this. I, I know the technicality. That's what you do to us all the time. So Exactly. It's, um, you had it right the first time. It's I'm only sorry. fair to take some punishment. Uh, Ray, it's been your second Dakar, and how have you enjoyed it so far? Well, um, considering last year was totally a blur, it's actually quite nice to visit some of the same old towns from Peru. And this time I'm actually recollecting some of the memories, and I th hopefully this time they'll stay, and it won't just be a blur of vague memories and dreams uh, as these long long days get um, very tiring and you kind of get confused where you've been and what you've got to do yeah i can tell you last night it was a very very late one we spoke about it in the podcast and while we had to stay up late myself and voldu uh, we did eventually get to bed at around two in the morning but ray had to stay up till around four making sure that the super sport show was sent out and that's remembering that we hit the road running at around six so he had two hours sleep yet uh, here he is uh, bright and cheery and uh, making his debut on the podcast and uh, to introduce once again the fourth member of our crew uh, while we're in Tacna visiting the place for the first time it's a lovely city by the way and the hotel is magnificent uh, we've got Voldu who's still in Arequipa Voldu uh, you're missing us 
I am. I am. And I must be honest with you that I've been one of those fortunate people that often get WhatsApps and SMSs from people saying they have FOMO. And I've never actually figured out what FOMO means. But today I got to experience it firsthand. I actually now know what FOMO means. And, well, I'm sorry I wasn't there with you guys. Well, Valdo, in this case, FOMO meant that we had to drive 400 kilometers on the dot, I think, uh, through serious mountain passes with the severe drops on the side and trucks coming from the front. No, I lie. That was yesterday. Today was a lovely drive. It was <laughs> through the open desert, beautiful sceneries and vistas all around us. There were some mountain passes, uh, but not too bad, not too much traffic. We actually did the 400 kilometers in about six hours, which is quite good. Normally, 400 kilometers in Peru can take up to 10 hours. So uh, it was a lovely day on the road. And because you were missing, I took over the front seat, which meant that I was DJ, which made things a whole lot better. The guys absolutely loved my choice of music. And what he means by that is um, I fell asleep within the first 30 minutes and followed by him shortly after. And poor old uh, Hannes had to drive us all the way with any, without any support. So you were surely missed today, Valdi. Fortunately, Hannes <laughs> had a very good sure navigator in the form of Valdo's GPS. So Hannes was okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, a lot of fun uh, on the trip over here. You were sorely missed, Valdu, but uh, we will catch up tomorrow. But let's talk about uh, how today transpired. First and foremost, explain to us how the, marath the marathon stage works. Uh, you ended up down that side. We ended up here in a similar position with the drivers and the navigators. Uh, They're over here in Tacna, but uh, without a mechanic or an engineer or a team principal to be seen. Well, that's spot on. Essentially, the, the marathon stage is an unsupported stage. And while we talk about the marathon stage, it's actually two parts of the, of the marathon section. So today was stage four, the first of the two parts of the marathon stage where the teams raced away from the bivouac, where all the technicians and the spare parts and the tools and the knowledge is, um, up to Tacna where you are, and they had to support themselves, fix the cars with whatever they could take along, tools and spares. And then tomorrow, they've got to do the second part of it and race back to the bivouac in Arequipa, back to where the technicians, the tools, and the spares are. Of course, the day began following the disaster of yesterday with Janelle de Villiers and uh, Dirk von Zitzewitz. Uh Yeah, it, it was heartbreaking because he went into stage three leading the Dakar rally, but uh, in the end, he ended up not even in the top 20, losing hours and hours of time. So without further ado... Let's uh, hear from South Africa's fam uh, favorite racing driver. Certainly a long night. Um, not the way we planned it, but, um, you know, anyway, it is what it is. Um, this race can be cruel sometimes. Um, you know, yesterday we had really a good stage, and we were really doing a good job uh, until we got to, uh, you know, just in a road. I had to pass a, a quad <coughs> in the dust, and obviously I slowed down. Um, I was in third gear and then there was two ditches um, in the road, not deep ditches, just uh, little small ones. And I hit the first one and as I came out the first one I saw there was a big rock in the second one. My speed was just right so with the car landed onto the rock. Um, if I was 10 k's an hour faster, which I normally would have probably been, or 20 k's if the bike wasn't there, I would have cleared it. But anyway, that uh, made some damage, it broke the engine mounting. Uh, which caused the engine to drop down onto the oil filter and uh, we could drive for another 70 k's but then the oil filter decided enough is enough and you know we lost all our oil uh, so it took us a long time to 
to have a look and to find the problem. Uh, we eventually saw the problem. We sort of limped our way to CP2, where we found the team there. They took about two hours to uh, to make repairs and to fix it. And uh, yeah, then we continued and finished the stage, but obviously uh, lost four and a half hours. And uh, geez, having a look at the car, yeah, the guys had a bit of work to do. Yeah, look, I mean, they had some work to do. Uh, unfortunately, I think they had all-nighter. But look, I mean, now we just got to um, try and be there and, and support, you know, NASA still leading, which is uh, which is good for, for Toyota and good for us. So, um, you know, that's, that's the reason why you have three cars and uh, we'll do our best to uh, support them now. Certainly do their best to support the remaining drivers. Now, when we arrived at the bivouac this morning, uh, I saw Hilly chatting to Hannes and Voldu. And, of course, his first language is Afrikaans. Hannes' first language is Afrikaans, and so is Voldu's. So he's a little bit more expressive when chatting in Afrikaans. So let's hear a little bit how he explained it in that language. It's like a clip in the second ditch. To land I a clip in. Unmiddellijke vibratie. Stop ons, kijk ons. Lijkt alles oké. Okay. Reis nog 70 kilo's. Toen breek je engine mounting. Engine mounting, je achter het gebreek. Dat is een solid mounting. Toen breek je, toen drop je engine op die, op die guard onder. En die laagste punt van die engine is die oilfilter. Die engine het op die oliefilter zo so gezet en toen breek je oliefilter. En toen moer al die olie uit. En daar zit ons zonder olie. Wel, ons het olie bij ons, maar ons het die olie filter en ons het ook die engine mounting. Oh, Hannes, so disappointing. <laughs> very, very, very disappointing. Um, this year, I really, really thought that, that uh, Janil had one of his best chances in the last 10 years to win the Dakar again. And um, he was right up there. And it didn't happen. And um, obviously, you know, to sit there and listen to him being so passionate about it is, is, is quite sad. So, uh, yeah, very disappointing. Voldu, you know, he was actually sitting with us uh, at dinner a short while ago and relaxed. I mean, obviously, the Dakar's lost as far as a first place is concerned, which would be his second title. Um, but it just goes to show the consummate professional he is. I mean, there is still a race to be raced, and he made it clear he now has to support the others, namely Nasser Latia. Well, I think um, it's testimony to the mentality of a successful endurance driver. And racing drivers are a breed apart. I mean, they, they don't race to come second, they race to win. Um, and very few of them can handle the disappointment of, of accepting that they won't be winning the race. But Janil is exceptional in that regard, that he, he can keep his eye on the strategy and his eye on the end goal for the team, um, which has served him well in his, in his motorsport career. I mean, he's won many many championships, not by, by winning every race, but by getting the, the best points that he can from every race. So he, he's definitely got his eye on the, on the ultimate goal for the team as opposed to himself. But he's also got the capacity mentally and, and within himself to, to deal with his own disappointment and, and not let it you know, cloud his judgment and take over what, what he's looking and feeling like. You know what, Derek and, and, and Valdo, we saw this morning, I mean, we heard yesterday about the whole drama. And Ray. All of us of heard course. yesterday about the drama, and we heard that Janil was basically out of the race, lost three or four hours, uh, which is a bad thing. But then when we saw the footage today, um, he was quite calm next to the car when the, uh, the French uh, television producers uh, interviewed him. 
He was very calm next to the car, standing there, explaining exactly that there's a problem with oil pressure and this and that and whatever. And we all said, like, jeez, like, this is serious business. He's losing the Dakar right here. And Janil's very calm. And, and, and that just shows the character of the man, you know. When, when you do this sort of thing, you have to have a calm character. And, and, and Janil is a consummate professional. He's very calm and collected. He's very clever. He doesn't get flustered or stressed out by anything. And that was a good example of it. And when we saw him this morning and we said to him, geez, like Janil, I mean, you just lost the Dakar yesterday. And he said, you know what? It's a race. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a big race, but it's just a race, you know. And he had to calm down Dirk von Zitzewitz, his navigator, and said to him, Dirk, relax. We're not dead. Just we, we, we lost the race. It's not the end of the world. And he'll carry on. I'll tell you, um, from my point of view, I've, this is my second year dealing with Janil. And I've covered almost every big sporting event that the world has to offer. And most of the time, sportsmen are prima donnas and very sensitive to most of sporting situations like this. And I'll tell you what, the way he dealt with it and just how he approached us as the media. I mean, I've been blown off for um, of, by golfers that, that have walked off around and uh, shot almost a perfect score. And then they don't want to speak to the media because they felt like they missed one putt. And I, I just couldn't believe his attitude. And maybe, uh, Valdi, you can add to this. You've known him for much longer than us. I mean, he's just an uh, absolute professional. Yeah, absolutely. 100% spot on. You know, um, those of us who know him well have seen his relaxed side. And you can see when he, when he jokes and so on. But when the game is on and when he, he's got to deliver as a pro, there's absolutely no compromise. And, and it shows. And it's such a pleasure for us to work with someone like that. But I think we've blown enough smoke up... Um, Janil now. Maybe we should move on to what happened with the rest of the race. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, Valdi, you were sitting in a bivouac today on your lonesome, following every second of the race because there wasn't really anything else for you to do. Uh, talk us through uh, what the other two teams uh, could contribute. And of course, I mean, we've got to let the cat out the bag. Nassau Latia retaining the overall lead uh, in the Dakar Rally 2019. Well, just before we get to the, the performances, let me just mention that the, the crew that finished Janil's car for him to go racing today finished the, the job of repairing the car literally five minutes before the crew had to leave the bivouac. So they worked right around the clock, right through the night, into the sunrise, and, and watched as the car drove off. And then while we were getting ready to watch the start of the stage, they all fell over. It actually looked like... Um, like carnage in the bivouac. It was just bodies everywhere. The guys had dragged mattresses out and fallen over and, and just fell asleep where they were and slept away most of the day, uh, while myself and one or two of the engineers and obviously uh, team manager Glenn Hall, team principal, uh, sat around a laptop and an and a, and a iPad or two and, and followed the race as best we could. And what a nail-biting experience it was because now we've got nothing but cold numbers to look at. And it's just times and in between to listen to the conjecture and the experience of the team principal and the engineers in trying to deduce what's going on out there was an impressive um, and, and spectacular experience from, from my side. Well, that's actually quite interesting, Waldo. You say that because we see the race from different angles at this point. You were at the, um, the service park, the bivouac, as it's called in Arequipa, while uh, Ray and Derek and myself came all the way out here to... Um, Takna. Takna. Thank you, Derek. You got it right. Takna, not tan, Tanka. Takna. Oh, I've been getting the name wrong the entire day. I think I had 18 takes on camera this so, afternoon. So <laughs> we had different takes on, on what, what what was going on the race. So uh, while we were standing 
at, at, at the road crossings and waiting to see what was going on at the end and see, uh, seeing how they came in, it was extremely interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, we got the brief from you, Valdi. You, you gave us a ring saying Glenn pleaded with us to, to get comments from NASA uh, as soon as he arrived uh, at the finish line uh, earlier today uh, because they had absolutely no idea. I mean, they were running blind as far as information was concerned. I mean, you mentioned numbers, but numbers don't tell the whole story. So, And there it goes to show. I mean, we live in uh, 2019, yet the marathon stage, when they say no assistance, it literally is no assistance. Well, absolutely. Everyone's flying blind. We watched the, on the timing screen as, as Bernard and, um, and Xavier, his navigator, went through the first waypoint. They, they lost about three minutes and some seconds there. And then it all just went wrong. And you literally sit there and wait and see one car after the other reach the second waypoint. And because our car isn't coming through, there's no timing coming through, the first thing you think is maybe the transponder's broken. But then you see that Janil's also stopped more or less at the same place. And you think, well, two Toyotas with broken transponders is unlikely. So the only thing you can deduce is that Janil stopped with Bernard. So Bernard must have a problem. So that's the conjecture that we went through. And, and the experience from, from the team principal proved to be spot on. I mean, that's exactly what happened in the end. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah, as you mentioned, that is exactly what happened. So um, from one problem to another, as far as the two teams are concerned, Janil yesterday, Bernard Tinbrinker today, uh, shed a little light as to exactly what happened to the Dutch driver and his French navigator, Xavier Pinseri. Well, you know, it's funny that the, the only feedback we could get was from an ASO video that we actually downloaded at some point where we could see um, what, what actually happened. And Bernard was telling the story that he had an impact with a stone in the stage. It wasn't a massive impact. He actually said it felt like a fairly small impact, even though it was at high speed. They did suffer a puncture as a result. They changed the wheel, the tire, um, and, and set off again. But then 70 kilometers later, everything just literally fell apart. So the damage suffered from that stone impact actually manifested only 70 kilometers later, um, at which point we now know the, the wishbone, or some people call it the triangle, and the upright that, uh, that anchors it um, sheared off from, from the body and uh, from the chassis and, and required major surgery to uh, get the car going again. So some silver lining to the fact that uh, had uh, a few disappointments along the way. All three teams are still running, uh, Janil and Dirk. Uh, we've got Bernard and Xavier, but then right in front, we've got a man who's won the race twice before, Nasa Latia, next to Mathieu Bommel. So we were at the finish line today, myself, Hannes and Ray, waiting there. And we knew that uh, Stefan Peterhansel, Mr. Dakar, started the race. So we expected him to come through first. It was just a question of how soon after Nasser Latia would arrive. And I tell you, it, uh, it was lightning. I mean, Peterhansel arrived and, geez, just shortly after him, in came uh, Nasser Latia. So I quickly caught up with him and this is what he had to say. You know, we came here, you know, for, uh, to win Dakar, not uh, to play or to... To joke, you know, because uh, the team uh, spend a lot of money, you know, and uh, we are here, you know, to to come and to compete and to fight, you know. It's still a long way, you know, but I am really happy, you know, with the performance of the cars, uh, the new tire of BF Goodrich, really working very well, you know, and we are quite happy now. We don't have anything; just we need to drive and to uh, to push and to to win this race. So then, immediately after, I went over to Stefan Pedansel and I, I, I chatted to him. And I said, look, you know, we've got Nasser Latia in front. 
how do you feel as we head towards the second half of the race? And this is what uh, Mr. Dakar had to say. Yeah, for sure, Nasser. We know that it's always really fast. Um, but first of all, I'm really happy because two days ago we did a big mistake. Yesterday I, w I was back. We were back on the podium. And now we need to, 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 to see what happened because uh, the race is still long. Okay, so it's almost the midway stage of the race. Uh, NASA yourself, oh, it couldn't be tighter. Yeah, but you know, uh, with, with NASA, uh, he is really a strong competitor, you know. We never know where he is able to, to, to beat you. He is really fast in all the kind of uh, track, especially in the dunes. So the second part, the way back to Lima, for, for him, it will be a really good uh, terrain, I think. Derek, that uh, little interview with Stefan Pedansel is actually quite telling. I mean, we've had our dealings with him in the past. Uh, we saw him in the lift the other day in Lima. You spoke to him today. We spoke to him today. He didn't want to answer your question at first. And you pushed him and uh, to the point where you answered that question now. Stefan Pedansel knows that Nasser Alatia is a uh, fierce competitor. Well, yeah, he hasn't won Dakar twice before uh, for nothing. I mean, we all know NASA is quick. Uh, they all know that he is to be feared, and we've seen it time and time and time again. I mean, yourself, Voldu are the experts when it comes to this rally. And I mean, Voldu, there's no bigger endorsement from anyone in the sport than Stefan Pederhansel. He says that going into the second half of the race, that you are the most dangerous driver out there. You know that uh, you're pretty good. Absolutely. I think Stefan would feel much better with a nine-minute lead over Nasser than uh, trailing him by nine minutes. Because catching that, um, that Qatari is not, um, not an easy task at all. Yeah, it's... Uh, I hate doing this, but I mean, we've got to make predictions because we're always almost at, at the midway point of uh, the 2019 Dakar rally. But, I mean, Hannes, it's uh, four stages in, and so far, Toyota Gazoo Racing... South Africa has led the Dakar each and every day. You know, it is bittersweet. Um, yes, Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa, our team, the uh, proudly built South African Hilux, has won every single one. No, not one, but led from the start. Uh, we won the first stage and we're still leading. But unfortunately, Nasser is now the, the, the Lone Ranger. He's out in front. Uh, Genil and, and, and or Genil and Bernard's fallen back a little bit so it's not perfect but um overall everything's good Voldy, talk us through stage five uh, what can we expect well it's uh, stage five is pretty much the reciprocal of what happened today so they went out on stage four and um and stage five five they have to do the same thing in reverse thanks for not in reverse gear but going in the opposite direction so 420 kilometers of, of special stage with a, a decontrolled section of 54 kilometers in the middle and the liaison on either end um, will, I think it's around six or 700 kilometers in total that the teams will cover. Um, and it's another long day and I see the organizers have already um, moved the starting time slightly later uh, because they're expecting fog in the early morning over the stage and of course then the helicopters can't fly which makes it unsafe for the competitors to launch. So uh, tomorrow is going to be a slightly later start, but as a result, also a later finish for all of us.
Interesting discussion we had a little earlier over dinner because I got the mail from you saying that it would be a later start because of fog. So we were sitting with Janiel and Dirk von Zitzewitz's co-driver, and we mentioned the starting times to them, and, and they said that they actually expected it, but not because of fog, but because a lot of the competitors were coming in so late. And if they started early, the guys would have had absolutely no time to, to actually fix their cars and, and get back on the road. Well, they said oh, well. that because the rally is so tough at this point is that uh, it takes people longer to get into the bivouac to start off with and then longer to fix their cars and obviously it'll take longer to get the cars out of the bivouac. So, um, yeah, it's a very tough situation. Valdi? Well, I was speaking, um, I was speaking with uh, Lance Woolrich today, one of the guys working with um, a Brazilian outfit uh, who run side-by-side um, vehicles in this race. And he said to me that they got into the bivouac at 1 o'clock this morning um, and then had to work through the night. And they had a clean run. There were no problems. So you can see how tough the race is. And if you have a good day and still only arrive at the bivouac at 1 in the morning, it's one hell of a race. This It's, it's not an easy thing. So I think Janil and Dirk might very well have a good point in all of this. Yeah, very much so. And uh, I tell you what, it's been a lot easier from our side today. Uh, yesterday was far tougher uh, for all concerned. I mean, we got into this town very early, wrapped up our interviews, wrapped up our TV shows. Actually, no, we haven't wrapped it up yet. I've wrapped up all my uh, obligations. Uh, so as Hannes, but Ray's still got a bit of work to do. Ray, uh, how many more hours uh, before you hit the sack or, or hit the town? <laughs> well, I, I can make a rough estimate that I've got about three and a half hours left. Um, you know, these things you need to tinker with and rewatch and then play out and then you've got to have a watch and we try to get the best product out there. You know, when you're tired, you make mistakes and make spelling mistakes and make um, artistic <coughs> mistakes. So you try, you know, you just give it a bit of time. You can't, these things you can't rush. Well, I can tell you guys one thing. Over the years, we've learned lots of things on the Dakar. Uh, internet signal and Wi-Fi and connectivity and all of those things mean a lot. We've probably never had it as good as we've got it now. In the city of, no, well, the city town, I don't know, of Tacna. Tacna. Uh, this is beautiful. Ray, tell us, tell us the speeds when we got here today. We're blown away. Remember, this is the first time we're seeing a new town uh, in Peru because uh, so far we've been to every, each and every place that we've been to. Valdi still hasn't seen it. But uh, when we walked in today... Nope. Ray had a look at the cell phone uh, coverage and uh, what were the speeds? So firstly, you, we've got backups of cell phones and you get a nice little 4G sign, which is good already. And then we walked into our lovely hotel and um, we've got a 100 meg downline and a, th- a 30 meg upline, which equates to what usually would take anything from two to three hours of uploading a show. You can now, I can upload my 10 minute show in... 10 minutes. Which means that all the photographs, the pictures, the press releases, everything, um, they've all been sent and downloaded and uploaded and everything's good. And remember, you can catch that show on Supersports every night from uh, 20 past 10, just before the official Dakar Rally show. Valdi, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know you needed the company. Uh, you were desperate for, for someone to talk to outside of Glen Hall today. But, uh, yeah, we really did miss you, and we can't wait to catch up with you once again in the Keeper tomorrow and uh, resume our battle of contract whist, which is a, a really great card game. Absolutely. Well, Derek, you know what they say about engineers. A well-adjusted engineer, someone who looks at his own shoes and yours while he's speaking to you. And I spent the day in the company of a whole bunch of engineers. So, <laughs> yes, thank you for alleviating that. 
and I'm looking forward to catching up with you uh, and boys tomorrow. Excuse, Volbo, we'll see you uh, more back in Arequipa. Replay back for us, we'll see you in Cheers, Valis. Cheers, Valis. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And cheers to the listeners. Uh, yeah, we'll catch you in Arequipa tomorrow as we wrap up stage five of the 2019 Dakar Rally. Just before the rest day, remember, as we speak, it is Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa leading the Dakar Rally. Nasa Alatia in front. Nasa speak, uh, Hannes uh, tapping on the shoulder furiously. Yeah? I want to say, 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 Lekker. Senior Mora. Good scenes. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Radar Media.